All right, welcome on into the PHNX Arizona Wildcat podcast, joined by Anthony Jamino. And now, Mike Luke, I am Ben White. Arizona takes care of business tonight against UTEP 31 to 10 AG, a game where the U of A puts up 544 total yards. A lot to dive into, but in the second half, Arizona took of, took care of business. They put their head down and they ran up that score. And with the way things ended against Mississippi State last week, definitely what you wanted to see out there. Yeah, mostly. I mean, I think this was kind of a um, it was kind of a boring game, right? Yeah. I mean, you you use the phrase "take care of business," which isn't very exciting. There was there were a lot of results across, especially across the conference today where you saw 50 points, 50 points, 70 points, whatever it was, you were kind of, I was kind of hoping I'd see that Arizona offense against UTEP. I think the best we can say probably about this game and it's about Arizona's non-conference season is that they held serve. That, you know, that's, it's kind of boring. They did what they have to do. I don't think they've changed. They haven't changed my opinion of them really one way or another. But we're going to we're going to get into that part of the season really soon. And thanks for joining us, Mike. Yeah, uh, like I said, I'm su- I I apologize. I've had a, a number of internet issues today. Um but uh better uh, better you? late Rick, than never. First and foremost, guys, here's my thoughts. Um defensively, you got to give this. You got to give this team a lot of credit. And uh, Anthony, I've wanted to talk with you a great deal about this. The defensive overhaul, I think, of this team in this first, uh, you know, in this first year or this second year, has been really, really impressive. Because the first year with Jed Fish, he talked about how we had to get the offense, we had to be able to get more players in here. You watch this defense now, and it just looks the part more of a way than we've seen here, certainly at the U of A in quite a while, and. Again, this is a uh, this is a second straight game where I thought the defense played very very well. A little bit of a boring game, but overall though, the the transformation on both sides of the ball I think's been very impressive. Let me um let me throw a little bit of uh, just buckets of cold water on that because they haven't played a good offensive team yet. Mm-hmm. NAU's not good. Mississippi State post Mike Leach can't pass the ball which I'm really glad Arizona played Mississippi state last week because that made the LSU Mississippi state game, the easiest bet of the week, because we saw that game. We the, the Bulldogs had no chance. They're right, not man. very good on offense. They're trying to do what they do. They're not ready for that. And UTEP is, uh, I love Dana Dimmel, but that is one boring team as well. And not very creative on offense. That said, I mean, to me, the word swarm is sacred, but I don't mind it when people use that word about this team so far or about this defense, because you can see the effort, the love of the game, the way they move to the ball. All that is all that is worthy of using the word swarm when talking about this defense. What do you what do you think, Ben? I think so. Um, I just think we've talked about it a little bit when it comes to just the quality of player and even a little bit more depth than this defense has had in years past, but it really starts up front. And when you have guys up front, five transfers, we've talked about big bill Norton. We've talked about Upshaw. We've talked about some of these other guys up front on the defensive line. 
when you're able to get, you know, a consistent pass rush and, and, and get to the quarterback and, and make plays, that's going to help you in the long run on both sides of the ball. And I think the area that probably needs some tuning up when it comes to how Arizona did tonight is you look at that secondary, you look at some of those plays they gave up to UTEP third and 15, third and 10, those long third down situations where for a while UTEP was getting some of those plays and that shouldn't happen. Broken coverages, et cetera. Now I think Gunnar Maldonado had a great bounce back game. He obviously forced that fumble, but it's clear this defense has better players. I think the depth is better. I think the talent is better, but like you said, it's just a matter of what happens when they play a Washington, they play a USC when they play better teams offensively that can score. I think that's going to be the real test because NAU isn't much of a test. Mississippi state has one of the worst offenses in, in all of college football. I mean, we saw that today against LSU. We saw their struggles last week against Arizona and then Stanford next week while better and well improved. And you're going into conference play, obviously I don't think that's going to give you too much insight as well. So it's, it's time will tell the defense is better on paper. The talent is better, but I think when we play some of these better opponents, um, we just have to see how it translate on translates on the field. Where are we at with JDL guys? I mean, going into this game, obviously Jed fish talked about how he didn't want to have this t- or he couldn't have the turnovers that obviously Jane Dolores had throughout. And some of these have just been terrible turnovers. Let's be honest here, but throughout the game, it was kind of, like I said, it was kind of a safe game plan or to quote Ben white and to some people on here, kind of a boring game to put it out there. But overall though, it was, I was okay. I was okay with it because this is one of those te- games where, yes, the spread was, excuse me, the spread was 17. I felt that was a little low for whatever reason the case may be. Um, Should have got it on BetMGM, by the way, if you didn't. But um, I was okay with this. I know a lot of people are bored, but I was okay with this because I just wanted to see a very level playing field from JDL. And I think we got some of that. This was the efficient game that I think Jet, uh, Jet, Fish, Jet Fish was looking for. He, uh, you know, JDL ran when the opportunities were there. He didn't really, f- well, you can make the case he forced the ball into double coverage when T-Mac made his great leaping one-handed grab. Right. But, hey, if you're going to force the ball, you throw it up high to that dude, you're probably doing all right. Right. So, and that's what I think going forward about this team is the efficiency and the way JDL takes care of the ball. Mm. Right now, to me, I mean, there were, if you look back, Jed's first team, the Kevin Sumlin teams, of course, they were not, they didn't have enough talent to win. Just period. period. They got on, from, the, from the opening kickoff, they did not have enough talent to win. Now Jed's built this team, they have enough talent to win pretty much any game more or less. Right. The question now becomes, can they play well enough to win? They're good enough, but can they play well enough? That wasn't the case last week. They were good enough to beat Mississippi state. They didn't play well enough to beat Mississippi state. Mm -hmm. And now as we turn to late September into October and November, and as Saul pointed out in the chat there, seven consecutive games against teams that are currently ranked. They're good enough. They're good enough to win some of those games now. They're going to have to play well enough. And to play well enough, 
you can't have Jaden Delore turn the ball over three times or four times or five times. You know, looking at that, looking at the schedule, and yes, a lot of the, these teams are ranked. How many of these teams, and you obviously, I mean, you follow the uh, uh, college football in the grand scheme of things nationally, uh, Anthony. How many of these teams are really that good, though? Like, again, Colorado is awesome. It's the story of college football right now. It's fun to watch. But I believe Arizona can beat Colorado. Same with UCLA. Uh, Washington State, Oregon State, very good. But the only real teams that I look at on this schedule and just kind of watching uh, you know, college football these c- first couple weeks are US- USC, I think, is going to be a very difficult game for Arizona. Washington's going to be a very difficult game. But, you know, guys, other than that, I mean, or I, I, give, I give Arizona a real chance. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to come down to a few things. I mean, I think back to the JDL point, you know, you guys are exactly right. When he's efficient, when he doesn't turn the ball over, how he plays is going to make or break whether this team goes to a bowl game or whether they don't. Um, I think against Pac-12 opponents, you mentioned Washington, you mentioned USC, but I mean, some of these other two schools, I mean, Oregon State, I think if DJ plays well and doesn't turn the ball over, Oregon State could surprise some people and win some games. And offensively, they obviously can move the ball. I mean, UCLA is here nor there. Uh, but again, we, we just don't know. It, it's too early in these non-conference games. And um, once we have an idea as to what these teams look like as we go throughout these first couple of weeks of conference play, I think we'll have a, a better idea. But it's certainly not impossible. Could Arizona win six, seven, eight games? Sure. But you would have to have a lot of things go your way. I think the talent is there. I think JDL has to play an A-plus, A-minus game every single day or every single game against the Washingtons of the world, the USC's of the world, if you're even going to have a chance. I did like how tonight um, he was efficient in the sense that he did use his legs smartly or smart, right? When plays would break down, when he was feeling the heat and there wasn't really anywhere to go with the ball, he would scramble, you know, 10, 20 yards down the field, as opposed to trying to force something into double or triple coverage. So um, we need more of that from him. But I think when you look at the whole conference right now, um, it's going to be better than it was last year for search for sure. Just given the talent and um, given some of the um, just changes they've made. But again, it's, it's still a big mystery to me as to just how good some of these teams are. I would agree with you on that, Mike, but Arizona is also going to need some things to go their way if they want to make some noise as well. Esteban Trevino right here. Maybe they kept it boring to save some fireworks for the Washington game, but we can't look past the Stanford <laughs> game before that, Anthony. You put any credence to that. Sure we can, Mike. We can. This is our podcast. We can do whatever we want. Of course we can. Let's, let's well, let's not look past Stanford. I'm sure we'll be talking about them all week. But that's another hold serve game, right? Right. Stanford, I think we have enough evidence now through three weeks. We, while we can, you know, if, if you want to put USC and Washington at the top of the league, great, um, which is probably true. Then I think teams three through nine are a little bit, a uh, little bit squishy. You can kind of right. mix them up a <laughs> That's bit. a good way of putting it, for um, sure. Then I think, you know, I think Cal's not horrible, but on paper, you got to put them 10. You got to put probably ASU 11 and Stanford's sadly 12. Right. So if you, if, I mean, Stanford's an absolute must win. Um, if you don't beat Stanford, you're not going to get to six wins this year and get to a bowl yeah. game. But to your earlier point, Mike, yeah. I mean, when Arizona plays, when it kind of begins its gauntlet, 
maybe all these teams that are ranked now won't be ranked at that time because now the Pac-12 teams are going to be playing each other. They're going to get some losses. There, some teams are going to fall out of the polls. But they're still really good. Right. You know, I would go Washington, USC. Um, you know, Utah has played really well, and they don't have Cam Rising yet. Right. Um, that's interesting. Nate Johnson looked like he did a fine job today at quarterback for them. I think Oregon State's even better than people think. I think um, yep. they're kind of they're ranked right now, but I don't know if people really understand how good they can be. I don't think they're, you know, they. If you remember, they uh, they beat Oregon last year and returned a whole bunch of people. So um, after that, I mean, UCLA is probably a little bit overrated at this point. I think they're still trying to figure some things out. Colorado, I think, is overrated. Um, you know, they got a, um, you know, they got a TCU team in the opener that was replacing a lot of talent. TCU had no idea what to expect out of Colorado. Right. And then the frogs did a bunch of things where they, they were very self-destructive in that game. Nebraska in game two against, you know, in Colorado, very self-destructive still turning the ball over You're still you know <laughs> you you seem to be following a lot of teams that have uh, issues with quarterbacks turning the ball over mike yeah and today colorado fun. state also did some stuff that really hurt themselves but they were ready for a fight and i think now teams are they have a much better sense of what colorado is and what they like to do their their lines aren't particularly great and I think they're very susceptible to um, injuries hurting them more than some other teams because I'm not really sure how deep they are. You know, they were over; they were able to overcome Travis Hunter today, but you know what he was doing in the first two games also was not sustainable. Salt makes a great like 145 snaps a game in college football. Saul makes a great point right here. I'll give you an idea. So a couple years ago, uh, we went up to uh, Arizona. Saul and I went up to the Arizona CU game uh, in mm-hmm. uh, in Denver and talking with our uh, good buddies at uh, DNVR who do, do an amazing job, obviously covering uh, everything up there, including the Colorado Buffalo. And I remember when we were in studio, I was trying to explain to them how bad Arizona really was. <laughs> Because it was basically kind of a rush to the bottom. Who's got the worst quarterback play? And I was like, listen, you guys haven't seen anything uh, yet. And lo and behold, Arizona certainly performed uh, down to the standards right there. But that's also where I'm kind of at right now with this team that I feel like we're kind of playing with house money just to a certain degree. And here's what I mean by this. Uh, And I want to get Ben and Anthony's take on this. That I watch this team – and this this feels like a good this feels like a pretty decent team. And Schuster made the point before he said, "Listen, this is a better team than last year's team." He said they might not win more games than last year's team. We had last year's team won five games, and obviously, like everybody's talking about, <laughs> this is a uh, absolute you know gauntlet you're about to go through. But right now, I look on the offensive side of the ball. I at pretty much every position quarterback, running backs, wide receivers, offensive line. You've got NFL players there. On the defensive side, too, you're a lot deeper. You're a lot bigger. There's just, again, I'm just happy with what I've seen. We need to stop with the trick plays. We'll get to that. But what do you guys say? <laughs> Look, it it's going to come down to matchups. It's going to come down to things going your way in some of these other games. You're probably going to need an upset or two. 
But even if Arizona only wins five games and they do it effectively and they're in games, they're competitive. Like you just said, Mike, the roster is better. The talent is better. The path forward is much more clear. It's better. You should still be happy with that. And I think like we talked about, and we talked about it with Schuster. We talked a little bit about it with AG when we first got on here is it's going to be, and it's going to come down to, I think the quarterback play. Right. Um, when you look across the entire conference, really, I think a lot of those teams are saying the same thing. Well, how good can we be? How, how competitive can we be in terms of, you know, obviously making a bowl, but maybe even contending for that PAC 12 title. Now, granted USC and Washington are very top heavy, but how close can we come down to that? And it's going to be the quarterback. Um, Jaden Delora is a fantastic option for Arizona when he's playing smart, when he's playing efficient, he can use his legs. He can get the ball downfield. He can make the right reads. Um, but there are some limitations, right? I mean, there are some issues when it comes to forcing passes. There are some guys downfield that he doesn't always see necessarily. I think there were a couple plays tonight where he missed some guys. But just the talent as a whole is is much better. It's night and day. It's not a team that you watch like we did two years ago. Um, you know, give you an idea and, and you guys were there and then we all saw how this team played two years ago, but you would go to practice and you would just think, man, this team sucks. I mean, there's no talent. There's nothing there. Right. Um, you go to practice, you watch these guys. There's some excitement. T-Mac with the one-handed catch today. Um, there is some flash there and I'm not saying this team is all flash by any means, kind of like what they were doing up in Colorado. And that's a whole different story. Um, but this team can be efficient when they play smart, when they play well, and when they have things go their way, um, they're going to beat some teams. Now, I think the other thing that it comes down to, too, um, and we'll hit on it, is, is injuries, right? I think the offensive line had a tough night tonight. I think having a missing Polito again, obviously, did not help them by any means. But when he gets back in there, um, good things will happen. But, yeah, I mean, you need some things to go your way. But at the same time, it's it's not well, like you look at that schedule outside of USC and Washington and say, man, that's impossible. But there are a lot of good teams in the Pac-12, so it kind of goes both ways. Right. Now, let's talk a little bit about this. We told you guys during the year, during the week to take Arizona to cover on the BetMGM Sportsbook app. Also, if you would parlay that against our friends from the uh, against our friends from the north, you could have made a little bit of money. Here's the deal though right there. Check out BetMGM Sportsbook app. Sign up for BetMGM. Use bonus code PHNX. Place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through BetMGM Sportsbook mobile app of at least $10 right here, and you will receive $200 instantly in additional winnings regardless of your wager's outcome. Check out the show notes for details, and let's hear from the great Shane Diefenbach with the disclaimer. Problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369-NEW YORK. Call 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts. 21 plus to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP, Arizona. 1-800-BETS-OFF-IOWA. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-800-981-0023, Puerto Rico, in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. Anthony, did this line seem a little bit – did this line on the BetMGM Sportsbook app seem a little bit low to you? I always thought going into this yeah. game that I didn't quite get the 17 line. I really didn't. Yeah, I, I thought it was, and I think some of that was, um, you know, probably – you know, Arizona had no buzz coming off the loss last week at Mississippi State. And, uh, you know, people are still probably sleeping on the cats a little bit. So I did think it was low. 
But um, so I think I I think I messed up on this bet MGM thing because I had a buddy at work sign up Friday. But I could have probably isn't there like a refer a friend thing on bet MGM or something? Mm-hmm, right. Oh, I probably missed out because I didn't say, hey, click that button and refer. I could refer a friend. Right. But uh, yeah, I was trying to give him some solid advice Friday afternoon. On some uh, on some college football, and this was one of them. And right. as I mentioned, I thought the LSU game was free money, but it's yeah. This this was right. This was right after that. Ben, what did you think about it? Because yeah, it was funny, and I'll give you a little bit of idea. So we're every we're texting back and forth throughout the game, and Ben says, "Man, this game's boring." But at the end of the day, though, I was like, and that's because again, that's kind of where I'm at, though. I just like seeing wins right here. And I just see a yeah. team out there that's capable of it. Ben, did you put down money on the BetMGM Sportsbook app for Arizona to cover? Um, I did. And uh, I ultimately was uh, successful because you know why? I listened to you, Mike Luke, and I listened to uh, everything you tell me from a betting perspective. Um, no, but 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 to your, to your point on the uh, the game being boring, look, it's, it's a good problem to have. Um, this game should be boring. You should be up by multiple touchdowns. You should be running the clock. You should be getting reserves and backups in there, which was interesting. I think Arizona got a couple of reserves in there in the secondary. Mm-hmm. And man, that was scary. If if we lose some of those guys long-term in the secondary, it's, it's not going to be good. But yeah, I mean, this game was boring. I think it was just a little bit teasing in the first half in the sense that you felt teased because they were averaging nine yards of play for the good majority of that first half. And they were moving the ball effectively. They were able to run it with Wiley guys like Coleman got in there. He had a 59 yard run in the second half. Your guy, speedy Luke, which I'm shocked you haven't brought up yet. Fam. He got in there, did some good things. Arizona was moving the ball, but as they progressed down the field, they shot themselves in the foot. It seemed like one way or the other to start the game. I think, um, there was a turnover. They, they went, um, I think three and out, they had to settle for a field goal. And then, um, there was a fourth down. I think they missed as well. So there were some some things to work out. I mean, there were some some rough parts of the game, but it's it's all just little stuff in the grand scheme of things. I think when you look at some of the injuries they had today and and some of the challenges, the key for me today was how is JDL going to play? And as long as he was able to bounce back and have an effective game and look good out there, obviously we thought he was going to play much better. I'm I'm sure we all thought he was going to throw multiple touchdowns, but how did you do it? Were you just killing the other team because they're so bad or were you efficient? I thought he was efficient, Um, used his legs very well. Um, I think there was a pass late in the or early in the second or was it late in the first half or early in the second half where there was a flea flicker play and it kind of just broke down and you could you could tell part of him wanted to stay in that pocket and force the throw and the pressure was coming there was nothing there but he he held the ball he tucked it down and he ran I think 20 yards picked up the first down so. To me, that was what I was looking for in this game. It was boring at times, um, but they got the job done ultimately. So that's what matters. All right. Now let's go to the by the numbers right here. Let's put a little bit of a frame of reference to what we saw. And see, there you go right there. 244 yards rushing. I want to get to that because I think we've been a little bit remiss in that. Anthony mentioned, or excuse me, uh, Ben mentioned it with uh, our guy Fam getting some touches. Anthony, 
with this running back stable, and again, I don't want to make it out like this is, you know, Trunk Candidate and, uh, again, Trunk Candidate and uh, Kelvin Efon and, you know, Leon Callen backing him up and whatnot. But this is a pretty good stable of running backs right here. And especially Jonah Coleman's a guy that I think has really shown some bursts that he didn't have last year. Yeah, I think this is – and that's what, you know, Ben kind of mentioned having having good problems. Right. This is a good problem because I want, you know, I want Michael Wiley to rush for a hundred yards every game, but I also want uh, Speedy Luke to get like ten touches, and I want to see more of Jonah Coleman, and I don't mind it at all when DJ Williams is in there, and I want Jacob Cowing to be targeted fifteen times and eight deep balls to T Mac and five catches by the by the tight ends. You can't do it all in the in the same game, but I love that if the defense is going to try to play Arizona a certain way, if they're going to try to take away the run, great. Arizona's got multiple options in the passing game. If they're going to sit back, and I think we saw today, and I think it was intentional, that Arizona came out and was very deliberate in trying to establish that run and get Mm -hmm. to that total of 244 rushing yards. So that's what I like about this offense is that they have an answer for whatever the defense is trying to dictate. But that starts with JDL, right? JDL's got to make the right decisions. He's got to be smart. He had he can't force things. So it does kind of all go back to that. And I think once Polito joins that offensive line, it's going to be it's going to have that extra depth piece and perhaps that extra kind of nastiness piece. I these these linemen are really good. I mean, if you notice, I mean you know, there were some plays where I would just try to tonight just focus on the offensive linemen. They move really well. They pull and trap really well. They they are very mobile. They're very this is a very athletic offensive line. It's a very off- athletic offensive line, and there's NFL players. If you look at the best Arizona teams, um, you generally have had either All American level players on the line. Or guys who have played in the NFL. You look no further than, you know, we were talking about it a little bit earlier this week. Your 97, your 98 offensive lines where you had your use of Scots, your Edwin Mulatalos, all of the those type of guys. Ben, Jordan Morgan, this is what a first-round pick looks yeah. like at tackle. Guard, Jonas Savanea, same way, obviously a tackle as well. This There's a plethora of NFL talent across the board here. And you generally, like Anthony said, it's a pretty impressive unit. It is. It's it's definitely the most impressive unit we've seen here in, in quite some time. And I don't think it's really, quite frankly, that close. Um, AG made a point to me during the NAU game, and I'll let him expand upon it, is when you look back at that 98 team, you know, when you look at both sides of that line, particularly that offensive line, I think AJ, you were telling me for all 12 games, they had all five of their starters. And the point of that is it's just so critical in today's game and even back then, but even more so in today's game, just having that health, having that foundation and having that balance is if you have the quality there and you're able to keep those guys healthy, um, you can do big things. It's going to come down to both sides of the line if JDL has time to go back there and make plays. And more importantly, if that O-line can help them establish a run game like they did tonight, um, it's going to go a long way in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, for sure. I mean, football is the ultimate team game. And the offensive line is the ultimate teamwork within that framework. And that, and like I said, that was what was great about 
1998 team, one of the reasons they were so good, they did. They started, you know, from left tackle to right tackle, the same 12 guys, same 12 guys, same five guys um, for 12 games of the regular season and, and the postseason. And you also had a tight end who started the same, you know, an NFL tight end and Mike Lucky. So basically you had six guys across their front that started every game in the same position and that is just so valuable. And that's, you know, this Arizona team already can't replicate that because Polito has been out and they've, uh, you know, they've substituted and tweaked a little bit, moved a couple guys around, but I think there's still time. It'd be great to see him get out in the field against Stanford, get, uh, get some experience before, you know, before things get really hot and heavy. And, uh, but if you can perhaps maintain that consistency, consistency, throughout the conference play, then, then you're going to be pretty good. But yeah, I think, you know, Ben mentioned it. We talk about the gauntlet and a lot of it, we, you know, we're, we're trying to project and predict games that are going to be happening in November. So right. much is going to be dependent on health, you know, which, which quarterback may be out when you play them, you know, who's going to be missing two starting DBs when you play them. That's going to be just absolutely massive. It's about our, like our good friend Steve Rivera always say. It's or is it what is it what Anthony says? It's about how you play that day. Anthony, is that well, what? Oh yeah, that's that's what what Steve always says, and that's kind of what you know when my opening statement, as it was, they're good enough to win. Not that they're, they're good enough to compete and win against pretty much everybody on their schedule. Right. But can they play well enough to win? Anthony, when was the last time you went to Circle K? Uh, probably about, uh, this week. This week, yeah. Ben, when was the last time you went to Circle K? Come clean, come clean. It would be a similar but, answer sometime this week. But let me tell you, Mike, I've been going to Circle K in this great state of Arizona for like 50 years. Something like that. Do you want a lifetime achievement award? I do because you know when I was a kid, when I was a little kid, and I was uh, my family moved to. I'm going to tell this story. I don't know why I'm going to tell it. My family moved to Glendale in 1972. Now Glendale was nothing. There was nothing at 43rd Avenue in Peoria in 1972, except a Circle K on the corner. So that was where that was where a young me had to go to get my packs of baseball cards. Oh, oh, okay, very cool. Did you get the little bubble gum stick in it as well? Absolutely, of course. They were still putting the gum in the packs then. Do Circle K still have? They don't do packs anymore, do they? Do they, I, Mike? I don't think. No, I don't, I don't think so. But let me but tell you, you this. can get a lot there, right? You can get a lot there. Here's the thing: you can get. First of all, it's got the cheapest gas prices in Tucson. I can verify this on uh, Campbell and like Campbell and like 36th or somewhere in there. The gas prices there are 15 cents cheaper than where I've found anywhere else in the city. Check it out. Circle K. Join the inner circle for free by downloading the Circle K app today. Terms and conditions apply at participating locations. Visit CircleK.com for details right there. Serving Anthony and Peoria. Serving Mike Luke, 
serving us all, serving Ben White as well. Okay, now, if we can pull up the A factor right here from the great Jacob Franklin. Jacob Cowing, 10 catches, 84 yards. Um, Jacob Cowing is one of the 10 best wide receivers in the uh, uh, in the entire uh, country. And he's got a little bit of, I've always thought he's got a little bit of Dennis Northcutt in him, kind of a different type of player. But Anthony, just in the grand scheme of things nationally, how good is Jacob Cowing? And then I want to trans or I want to transition to T Mac there a little bit. Yeah, I think you uh I think if um if I'm remembering correctly, I I think we had Jacob in like Lindy's in our preseason rankings right around 10. Mm-hmm. Hope I'm remembering that correctly. Um, yeah, I absolutely think he is. And the, the, the thing I love about him most is that I'm not sure I've seen an Arizona player have better acceleration than Jacob Cowling. Right. I just love that. And I think, I think he's going to be a great pro because that kind of skill of, uh, being able to move in space and being able to move quickly is, I mean, there's a bunch of guys in the NFL you know, he doesn't have great size, obviously, but to to move like that, to accelerate like that, I think it's that's great. That's that's why I say, hey, man, I'd love to see him get. You got ten catches tonight. Would you know if if the entire game plan was, hey, let's throw a quick pass with Jacob Cowing? I'm good. I'm good with that. You know, I'm going to steal that for the show. I'm going to steal that for the show this coming week, Anthony. I'm going to give you no credit, so your credit's going to be given to you right now. His acceleration, Ben, that's a great point. His acceleration from one yards to ten yards, I don't know necessarily what he runs in the 40, but when he goes to the combine and they do the little shuttle circle drills and whatnot, that's going. he's going to test very, very well there. That's the, that's the key. I've always wanted to – I've always been trying to figure out exactly what it is. His acceleration, Ben, is next level, top notch. Yeah, because he's not the biggest guy. It was kind of funny when they showed him on TV, I think standing next to T-Mac, just the, the difference in size, and they were explaining just that. And obviously, when you look at Arizona's receivers as a whole, all of them can just do really unique things, and all of them do those things very, very well. For T-Mac, like you said, it's the acceleration, it's the speed. And on the NFL side... I would have a hard time believing that you can't find a place for somebody that has that speed, who has that ability, um, whether it's in the return game, whether it's on special teams, you never know. I mean, somebody like J.J. Taylor, totally different situation, totally different player, um, found a little bit of a spot there in the league doing a couple of different things. Um, Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting. I think Cowing is great. I think this receiving core as a whole – um, is definitely the most intriguing that we've seen probably since, you know, that Caleb Jones, Nate Phillips uh, trio with Richrod about 10, 11 years ago. So they do a whole lot of different things. And Cowing is a guy who you can line up and he's just going to burn you, man. I, it'll be interesting to see how he stacks up against some of these better DBs because he's definitely passed the eye test for sure. Um, and if they can be consistent and, and continue to get production out of all those guys and not only T-Mac, we need some more one-handed catches. So <laughs> the, re- the receivers to me played an A-plus game for sure. I, uh, I We bring up Jacob Cowing, first of all, because uh, Jacob Franklin brought up that cool little graphic right there. But I do want to talk, though, about this wide receiving unit and where it uh, ranks nationally. Everybody always know you know about Ohio State, obviously. You got Marvin Harrison Jr., He's good from what I hear. 
Um, you've got the, uh, you know, you got the two of the Washington duo of Jalen McMillan mm-hmm. and Roma Dunsey. But mm-hmm. Anthony, am I being biased and saying that when you've got T-Mac and when you've got Jacob Cowing, that is a duo right there that stacks up favorably with about any duo in the country. That's it. I mean, it's definitely top five. If you want to, you know, at USC's got some dudes, um, you know. Um, so if you if you wanted to start and put them as, hey, in the discussion for three, you know, it, you're probably not too far off base. Um, you know, we saw Malik Neighbors at LSU do amazing things, and they've got uh, they've got some other guys as well. So that's a possibility there. Um, but those two you mentioned, you know, are they two of the top 10 receivers in the country? I don't know. There's a ton of great receivers across the country. But I don't think you would go much further than saying Arizona's got two of the top 15. I don't think you'd go past 15 Well, if you're talking think- top receivers. I don't think you go past. I don't think you go. By the way, uh, I don't think you go past fifteen. Also, T Mac, you always talk about Anthony when you were covering uh, Camp Coaches when they were playing. Uh, obviously, you know you started when Larry Smith was the coach, and then uh, <laughs> but, um, Tony Mason's first year. But um, you always talked about guys, though, and I've I, and I've always loved this point. There were three dudes that just showed up that looked different. And, you know, you talked about it before that Chris McAllister was one, Chuck Levy was another, and Rob Gronkowski was obviously the other. Is And again, obviously they're not at Camp Cochise, but is is T-Mac kind of a little bit in that realm of a guy that just looks a little bit different out there than we're used to seeing here at the U of A? Yeah, I mean, those three guys you mentioned, those were like first look, off the bus kind of things and – and even if you knew nothing about football, you knew those guys could play football really right. well. Right. Um, I didn't have that experience seeing, you know, T-Mac at a first practice or anything like that. But if trying to think if Arizona had a 6'5 guy, that athletic, um, that uh, talented at, you know, going up and get the ball, scoring touchdowns, no, that <laughs> that answer is no. So yeah, I don't think there's been, and not just in the time I've covered the team, which you know goes back to like the whack days or something. But uh, I don't. I'm I, who else in Arizona history is like that? I can't think of anybody. I mean, no, I mean, you can. There's Arizona's got a pretty decent receiving history, and you can you can throw out a bunch of guys, but not somebody who's six five. Well, and it's funny, Lamont and I were talking about that earlier in the week. And um, by the way, I would I didn't bring to Lamont his uh, Del Taco cheeseburger today. So I do apologize, Lamont. But I can't bring you guys that food every week. Um, but uh, with uh, Jerron Kreiner was a great jump ball threat guy that was about, you know, six foot three. But he wasn't a burner, though. And he wasn't he wasn't. And again, he was very, very good. He's probably w- one of the six, seven best receivers in school history, but he didn't have that next level factor that whenever he stepped on the field, you looked across and you're like, all right, well, unless Marvin Harrison Jr. is over there, Mm -hmm. this dude's going to stack up favorably with about anybody. Ben, he's just a, he's a unique player and you can certainly see why he was rated so highly coming out because again, he might be the most underrated five star in the uh, in the country yeah. wide receiver position when he wasn't on the uh, the watch list for the forty nine best receivers. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. 
Yeah, he's he's talented. I mean, Arizona's had a lot of good receivers, but I think when you look at those good receivers, I don't want to call them system players from a black and white standpoint and just say they're just system players. But a lot of the, these players we talk about at receiver, at least recently, I mean, they were system players in the sense that they would go out there, they would play in a spread offense under Rich Rod or whatever the team may be, right? And they would just be efficient. They would get points. But on the scoreboard, on the box score, excuse me, they would they would look great. They would put up the numbers and you would say, oh, this is one of the top receivers in the Pac-12. But somebody like Caleb Jones, somebody like Nate Phillips, somebody like Sean Poindexter, I mean, those guys Sean don't even belong. Poindexter, I like <laughs> it. <laughs> changing it up a little bit point being none of those guys that we've seen recently belong in the same sentence as t-mac and yeah. tonight is a perfect example as to why that is how many receivers in the country can make a catch like that how many receivers at that size i mean we talk about cowing being a fast guy in the slot but he's no slouch either i mean how many guys that size can move that quickly too so there's just so many things he could do and as you said mike he was underrated and as highly ranked as he was, it's apparent watching him at this point, he could play anywhere in the country if he wanted to. He really ben, could. It's almost like we need somebody, a national person that maybe works for a national entity uh, previewing college football to be able to get that name out there. Maybe. Yeah. Like one of those national that, people yeah, that, I, you know, put together the magazines, you know, who, who could we find? If we could find yeah. someone like that. Maybe it would help. Let's right. see. Do I have one of those around here somewhere? Maybe. Uh, I have his competitors magazine. But no, I, I, I am so excited that. that I, you know, barring crazy stuff, injuries, and like receiver is always a super deep position. But I am so excited to uh, be able to uh, put T Mac in as a preseason All American next year in next year's magazine. I am ready for that. You can assure us that Lindy's will have him as one of the 49 best wide receivers <laughs> in the country. Is this, is this yeah, correct? Maybe, probably one of the best four. Let's, let's, let's go there. You know, because those, uh, you know, you know, all the good juniors are going to clear out. So um, there's, there's, there's some really good uh, other sophomore receivers across the country. But uh, I can't imagine there's many more that are going to be uh, more highly rated. So I'm very, very excited to uh, get him in next year's uh, All-American list. Now, Ben White, and Ben, I'm going to have to help you with this afterwards. But uh, a lot of people are saying, you know, where could I maybe watch some of these games? You know, if I don't have the traditional cable packages and I say we've heard you. Fubo TV is here for you, by the people, for the people. Watch all of your favorite college football on the NFL with Fubo. Go to www.fubotv.com slash, uh, excuse me, uh, PHNX to sign up for 15% off your first month of Fubo TV. Here's the cool thing. You can stream live all kinds of different things. You got college football. You got NFL. You got all kinds of stuff. Even the Ryder Cup. Anthony strikes me as a Ryder Cup uh, uh, fan. Is Do I? Why? I don't know. Just struck it. Strikes me. Hey, Mike. If there if there is um, some kind of ball involved and there's drama, I will be watching it. And the only place you and the place that you can get it is at Fubo TV right there. Check it out. You will thank me later or you will thank me now, depending on if you have it. All right. Uh, Robert Giratano, will T-Mac go pro after three years? I would imagine that T-Mac is going pro after three years because the only question I think you probably have is what is he going to test in the 40? Um, but 
by year three, I mean, generally, you know what you're going to have right there. He, if he's a guy, if he can run a four, four, nine or a four, five, two, he's going to be penciled in very high. Cause I mean, you, you I mean, we, we watch, we all watch college football all day, his ball skills, his height. I also saw him at Panda express earlier this week, by the way, as well. <laughs> that was some people, did but, you tell uh, him to back the A? No, I wimped out. I actually was going to go up and tell him to back the A, and I totally wimped mm. out. So um, I like that. He no T Mac though is uh, T Mac. He'll be gone after next year. Um, I would be barring injury. I would be stunned if he wasn't uh, if he wasn't out. Anthony Jamino. I agree, Mike. No, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, and and he should. Right. If if he continues on this trajectory, he should absolutely go pro after the 2024 season in the big 12. Oh, in the big 12 right there. I like that in the big 12 uh, right there. Yeah. All right. Let's talk a little bit before we sign off here. Let's talk a little bit about the wins and where we can get them because I've been telling people all off season that Vegas is still a little bit behind Arizona. I do believe, I do believe that Arizona is um, like last year, Arizona wasn't great, but the over-under in uh, Vegas or in the BetMGM app was two and a half wins this year. Um, it started at four and a half. I believe Arizona is going to get six wins this season. Where do we get the six wins from here? I think we can get ASU. I think we can get Stanford. That would make it four. Anthony, you're the oracle of knowledge out here. Man. Tell us where we can find two more wins, and then the great Ben White will tell you if he agrees or not. <sighs> I'll go. I'm sticking with Colorado. And um, that's for you, Saul. Man, <laughs> where would the other one come from? UCLA. Mm -hmm. That's but it. Does six, does six regular season wins that's, feel right to you? It's it still does, although um, I'm a little less confident than I was at the beginning of the year. Not because of anything I've seen from Arizona. It's just that those wins are going to be hard to get. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, you know, like, would you be disappointed? I'd, I'd, I'd be disappointed with a five win season. I think this needs to be a six win season. They need to, they need to, and they're capable of knocking off a couple of top 25 like teams. Right. While not messing it up anywhere else. I, I'm afraid that at the end of the year, they're really going to regret not beating Mississippi State. Uh, that was a game that they co totally could have had. On top of that, I don't know what Mississippi State do is doing, trying to say, well, if everything that Mike Leach did really well, we are not going to utilize anymore, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But I agree with you. That's a win that would have really been nice to have. Ben? What do you, what say you? Do you want to disagree with Anthony? Because generally behind the scenes, you disagree with everything Anthony Jimeno yeah. says. <laughs> Always, you know it. I that, think that controversial guy. Yeah, yeah. AG. Hot take AG, right? Tony's takes. Tony's takes. <laughs> I think um I agree with Colorado. If they were gonna play Colorado next week at Colorado, I would probably say no. Um I agree with Colorado in mid-November just because I think Colorado is so one-dimensional. I think they're going to have some injury issues. I think the hype is going to wear down. So I would slight that as the win. I think ASU is a win. I think Stanford is a win. Um, and then it gets interesting. Um, UCLA, possibly. I think maybe Oregon State or UCLA. I just think going to um, Washington State and Pullman is going to be tough. Yeah. Um, They've never really had all that much success doing that. But to your point, I mean, 
do you need to win six games? Yeah, but is it very likely that they'll only win five? Yeah, because you need a lot of things to go your way. Um, the Pac-12 is a lot better. Like we've talked about, we've talked about the quarterback. We've talked about you know Arizona's strides at quarterback and some of these other positions. But there could be some injuries. There could be some things that go wrong, and we just don't know. But to me, yeah, five, six wins, maybe seven. If you can beat UCLA and Oregon State and Colorado, then I think that's an A-plus season to me. Yeah, I'm not sure Utah is like bulletproof either. Yeah, you I haven't talked talked about Utah. They haven't really been a, any kind of topic of conversation so much um, this year. But I'm not sure they're uh, I'm, you know they're they're gettable. I'm curious as your take, AG. I just worry with Utah, and I guess I'm looking at this from a historic perspective. I know Arizona's lines are improved, but I just worry that there's going to be that factor of going up against a team like Utah, and you just get beat up on the line of scrimmage. That's what worries me personally. Yeah, that would that would be my top concern, and certainly that's how it's played out in the past few years. But I think this Arizona team's a little bit better uh, equipped to handle that. And then again, you play them. Uh, if you're able to kind of play that part of the game straight up, make a couple plays. Like I, said, I don't think, you know, these other teams in the conference aren't unattainable wins for Arizona. Right. And, you know, they're going to get, you know, Do you give Arizona well, let's give them Stanford and ASU. Let's give them, let's give Arizona those just for sure. For sake, sake of argument right now. So you're going to get seven more at bats against really good teams. You just got to get a hit in two of them. Right. It's doable. I'm not, I know you want us to pick s- specific games. I would consider it more of, oh, they've got maybe, you know, I'll give them a 60% chance to beat Colorado, a 30% chance to beat Utah. And at the end of those seven games, those percents add up to two wins. Right. Something I, like that. But, but there, the margin for error, and we've talked about this a little bit before with the Arizona basketball, with the, you know with Tommy Lloyd, that the margin for error with this team is also a little bit better than it's been in uh, previous years. Give you an example, Mississippi State. Now, granted, yep. <laughs> right. you know, I realize that I realize the irony in what I'm about to say here, but Arizona probably should have won that game and went did that game into overtime with four and five turnovers on the road against an SEC team. Mm-hmm. Granted, I totally understand how Mississippi State looked today, but there's a little bit more of a margin for error here that uh, that we haven't really seen from this team in the past, guys. Yeah. And I'm totally convinced, and you can't tell me otherwise, if Jaden Delore had gained one more inch on that fourth down scramble, Arizona is going to go on yeah. to win that game. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with you. that. By the way, Anthony, we were talking about the Ryder Cup. Let me tell you about the official golf apparel of all city and PHNX. Pins and aces, my friends. Pins and aces. Now, you might say, Mike, what is pins and aces? Pins and aces, again, is the official golf apparel of PHNX and all city. Check out pinsandaces.com and use code PHNX to receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. That's pinsandaces.com. Anthony, these things will absolutely change your life. Ben is a man that is in the corporate world right there. Ben has to wear cool collared shirts. And you know what? These things are cool. They make Ben White look cool. He's already cool. But pinsandaces.com, my friend, I see you have a question. Yeah, I I do have a question. So I am wondering, and I'm just kind of asking for a friend, if if contracted freelancers for phnx.com have access to some of this swag. 
I believe they do. I believe they probably. I'm just saying. I I think they're my might Maybe a, they have access to Fubo TV as well. You know, right? There we go. That's where we go. All kinds of goodies right here. By the way, this uh, this freelancer um, who I don't know who he might be just had a great article out on gophnx.com about the best Arizona players from Texas. He consulted heavily with Mike Luke and took none of his advice. And then uh, you're going to have probably California coming up as well. <laughs> yeah, I think but, it's a good. I mean, maybe every I don't know how when I'm going to roll these out. But I think they're going to be really fun to uh, research and put together and take people down some uh, Pac-10, Pac-12 memory lanes is uh, to put together an all-California team, which we've talked about. The secondary is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Is it as good as about any secondary? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm sure Ohio State's going to put together – really not if you go back 45 years i'm sure ohio state's like if you put together a five-man secondary it's going to be really good texas's would be really good you know in part because you have two thorpe was there for a while you have two uh, thorpe award winners though yeah. and chris McAllister, who was better than both of them yeah so um so the all california team will be fun um then we'll do an all arizona team which will also be very funny. You got all your Southern Arizona and, you know, Arizona's plucked. Don't worry. There won't be a quarterback. I know the quarterback's hard. You're going to preserve the right to punt. Uh, Maybe. Uh, We'll have some running backs, but there's, yeah, they all Arizona teams are going to be lacking a really good quarterback. All right, everybody. And then we'll be able to look at all these teams. And these are Arizona's three major recruiting bases. And uh, we'll see how they all stack up. All right, everybody out there. Really appreciate all of you staying up with us until the wee hours in the morning right there. Um, But for the great Anthony Gimino, Ben White there on assignment in California. Ben and I will be going to the USC game there. Ben White, Mm. so make sure that that guest room is available for me right there, my friend. But um, on a serious note, though, really appreciate all of you. We're going to have a couple clips coming out tomorrow. We'll have this uh, We'll have this up. But for again, for the great Anthony Gimino, Ben White, Jacob Franklin behind the scenes, Saul Bookman hopping in on the chat. We will be back with you on Tuesday. As always, appreciate you all. Back the A. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats postgame podcast.